0: So So, cruising was on your mind, huh?
1: Cruising was on my mind, you heard me. Radio Drome. Where else would you be on a Thursday night except listening to me, Josh Hadley, the Marquis de Suede himself, Alex Jowski. Hello. And Cecil from Good Bad Flicks, who we're going to be talking about a little bit more tonight.
2: Yay. So Cecil, you want to do the promo? Ooh, I'm ready again. Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME to get 50% off a single item. Free shipping in the U.S., three free DVDs, and a free
1: mystery gift. Using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Got to say it with a little flair. Ah, okay. Flare it up. I'll, I'll pick it up next time. Now, I do want to mention that we're not recording this on our normal night because Cecil had Thanksgiving plans, and apparently family means more than the show. <laughs> <laughs> Cecil couldn't make the normal time. If we had recorded on our normal night, we would not be able to talk about what just happened to Paul Walker because that hadn't happened when we normally record this. I think, and I'm not trying to be a smartass about it. I think it's he died too fast, too furious. Oh, you're you're gonna do that? So I do. He makes that. You joke and every to you center. and every
2: news organization and every Facebook post and oh,
1: I I'm ashamed. Shut up. <laughs> Actor Paul Walker, most, mostly known for the Fast and Furious movies, died in a really horrific car crash to the point where recording this, they can't even positively ID his body yet. It was so mangled and burned. I was never really a big fan of the guy, but it's a tragedy nonetheless.
0: I wasn't a fan of him either, but yes, it is a horrible tragedy. I mean, he did die in a car accident. That's a terrible way to go. You know, he was successful. He had his fans and... I hated the Fast and Furious movies, and looking at his filmography, he's done nothing that I really enjoyed, except for Flags of Our Fathers. That's okay.
1: Fast Five was better than it had any goddamn right to be. I haven't seen Fast Six yet, but I've been told that's really fun as well.
0: But glancing at his filmography, I see Varsity Blues, She's All That, The Skulls, and Timeline. I'm like, Bleh. but still, it is a horrible tragedy.
2: I like the guy. Uh, I liked him. Like, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of his but he was one of those guys that he he put out as far as i'm concerned he was consistently good he never was like a
1: bad actor and um oh no i wasn't trying to say he was a bad actor but just in things like the fast and the furious movies he was always overshadowed by much more dominant personalities such as dwayne johnson or vin diesel or michelle rodriguez they always kind of pushed him to the background
0: Yeah, the movies that I listed, I didn't hate Paul Walker. I just hated the movie.
2: And anyone who ever says, like, because I I work with some people who actually it's kind of sad, funny. Recently we were talking and they were just completely bad mouthing Paul Walker, you know, saying he's like one of the worst actors ever. You've clearly never seen Running Scared because that movie is awesome and he's awesome in it. So like that was one where he was I in really... the
1: Peter Himes movie with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal because that's the only running scared that I recognize.
2: No, not that running scared. Not the undercover. Well, actually, it kind of, it kind of is a cop one, but yeah, di- different different movie, same name. But yeah, but which that also is good. It's one of the few movies where where I can totally deal with Billy Crystal because normally he irritates the shit out of me. But um, but anyway, but yeah, the the 2006 running scared. Is an excellent movie, and if you have not seen it, and you're looking for Paul Walker movies to check out beyond the Fast and the Furious, that's one to look at. But I mean, I I liked you know Varsity Blues and The Skulls, and he uh, he always kind of showed up, and he was good, and he he a lot of times would play a jerk, but I mean that's not who his personality was. I mean he never he was never in any kind of goofy scandals. He was never. A Dick from what I've heard. He always he did a lot of charity work.
1: I mean, he seemed like he was actually leaving a charity event when he got into the car accident.
2: Yeah. And it seems to me that from now, this is speculation. He was the passenger, which I mean, that's not speculation, but the guy who was driving it was kind of showing off what the car could do.
1: Oh, yeah, because they said there's no way the car was doing under 100 miles an hour when it for, for the amount of impact that it had. It was going fast, which is why everyone, I think, latched on to the quote unquote irony of him being the star of all the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, yeah. According
0: to this, there was burned rubber and donut marks found in a figure eight patterns near the crash site.
2: Yeah, this guy, whoever was driving it, was kind of showing off, and consequently, he took a corner, you know, right. faster, way faster than he should have, and just drilled the car into a tree. And uh, uh, it just sucks. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just a it's a it's a shame. I mean, the dude was 40. I mean, that's really not that old. That's only
1: a year and a half older than me. But then we also have to look at now again. I'm not making light of his death. okay? but we have to look at what's going to happen to Fast 7. The movie, they said, was three quarters complete. But the problem is everything they had left to shoot were Paul Walker scenes. So the movie is almost done. The company has sunk $100 million into it, and none of the actors are willing to return. They all say, I I can't do reshoots on this. I just can't. What kind of a predicament do you think that puts the studio in? There's no way they're scrapping this movie with that amount of money attached. And obviously the script's going to need serious rewrites since numerous key Paul Walker scenes need to be rewritten. Where do you think that leaves Fast 7?
0: He's not the first actor to have died with a movie in production in any stage. They'll still make the movie somehow, I'm sure, because the studios like the money.
2: Well, I mean, I wouldn't even say... Like, this is a case of where I can't fault the studio at all for wanting to complete this, because... If they with a hundred million
1: dollars invested, million you, you, invested, you can't just into. go, he died, we're scrapping the movie, especially, you no, if they were two, three weeks into shooting, fine. This is three quarters finished. And the other thing is, too, because of this,
2: if they can finish the film and get it released, it will probably be the highest grossing film ever of all of the series because everybody is going to go see it because it was Paul Walker's last movie. So they're kind of looking at it from two perspectives. Number one, they can't not finish it because they've sunk too much money in it. And they'll, I mean, that a hundred million plus, they'll, that's way too much to lose. I can't fault them for not wanting to take a loss on that. And because they know there's going to be a big return on it if they can get it finished. Uh, Maybe they can kind of finagle something like they did with The Crow, where they can have a stand-in
1: and they can, you know, put no, Paul Walker's f- from, face over him. No, from what I've read, the article I read on, I think it was either the New York Times or the LA Times said, they were all key Paul Walker scenes. So I think they have all of his dialogue and character scenes left to shoot, which means there's going to have to be a massive rewrite to somehow dump his character out or something like that
0: have a body double killed off you know, camera
1: it's well it, it's kind of like what happened with small soldiers At, you know phil hartman got killed and so for whatever reason and i think i mean i'm not faulting joe dante for cutting them but he cut about 15 minutes of of phil hartman's scenes out of the movie because he said in retrospect there were phil hartman getting shot and things like that you know by the figures and how he died that that he he called it disgusting to have left them in at the same time i say that's his final performance you leave it in regardless since that's the last footage he shot before being killed or, or am i kind of ghoulish with that
0: look when what's his face heath ledger died that was the selling point for batman um the dark knight was this is heath ledger's last movie so i think they'll still find a way to complete Past seven and sell it with being Paul Walker's last movie. Cecil's right about that.
2: With the thing with small soldiers and Phil Hartman, I kind of understand because he was probably coming from it from a personal perspective. Like he, you know, working with him, he get to know him, he get friends with him. It's like, oh, I can't release this movie with him. But at the same point, like you said, he didn't die on set. He died because uh, his stupid wife killed him. But taking that out of the film. Uh, You know, I'm sure it stung a bit, but the thing was, that was his last performance, and he was acting. He was doing what he always wanted to do and what he was really good at. By kind of denying the public from being able to see that, uh, I mean, it wasn't like he was actually showing footage of him dying. So they really should have left that in there, but I can understand why, you know, from a personal level, he would want
1: to take that out. You saw similar with, with when John Ritter died. Because, remember, Bad Santa was actually not going to get released. Remember, the Weinsteins hated Bad Santa so much. That sat on a shelf for nearly two years. They called it unreleasable. Then John Ritter dies, and they go, We have John Ritter's final film! Now it's releasable. That, to me, is ghoulish.
2: That is true, but that happens fairly often. Well, either a movie gets shelved, and then it gets released when an actor becomes popular, or when an actor who was in the movie dies. So, and quite frankly, I would have been
1: happy with Bad Santa sitting on a shelf. I freaking hated it. Well, but then you also have the aspect of the other actors in the movie. Vin Diesel and all the rest of them have said they're not returning to the set anytime soon. So even if the studio says, all right, well, you know, like, we'll give you till after Christmas to grieve. But in, you know, early 2014, you're back on the set. Do you think it'll come to push, come to shove if they say we don't want to reshoot this movie, just take the $100 million loss? Um, That's tough. I mean, because if if they decide
2: like to not come back to it and whatnot, this could be the end of a multi $100 million plus, I mean, at this point, probably over $1 billion that they've grossed franchise. Because this, you know, the series was only picking up steam for them to kind of say all right we're not you know we're not coming back to set and consequently i think if they say you know we're not coming back we're not doing any reshoots we're not finishing the film this could end the series and would also kind of create a lot of bad blood between the crew or the uh, the actors and whatnot and the studio and might make even though they're all pretty big actors and well known it could make their future lives a little bit more difficult because the studios might, you know, start being a little more dicky towards them since they wouldn't play ball. It's it's a tough situation all around.
0: Even if all of the actors, Finn Diesel, The Rock, um, Michelle Rodriguez, if they all walked, they would still make Fast and Furious 7. Just totally different play. It would just be Tokyo Drift.
1: Well, Tokyo Drift actually takes place in the future. Technically, they could kill Paul Walker's character cuz the only character we know is that still alive in Tokyo Drift's future is Vin Diesel. So he's the only one they can't kill to keep continuity. Does that make sense? So maybe depending on, you know, since they shoot out of order, if all of Paul Walker's scenes were, you know, supposed to take place relatively early in the movie, they might be able to write around him. They they really might this seems to be from the immediate cast response. It seems to be... Do you guys remember what happened when The, when the Crow first came to DVD? How the cast and crew responded?
0: No, I don't remember.
1: No, actually, I, I don't really recall. Go and pick up the DVD at some time. You'll notice that the commentary is by the set designer, the composer, and a screenwriter whose script was not used for The Crow. You find out that all of the cast were approached and they said nope, not doing it out of out of honor to Brandon Lee. Alex Proyas was approached. The producers were approached. Basically, the three people you got on the commentary were the only people that said I'm willing to do this, F- Brandon. Everyone well, else said because of bec- to honor Brandon Lee, I'm not gonna go talking about this and let you profit off of his corpse.
2: Uh, but I don't know. But it's different because the crow, I. Is a, is a good movie
1: Pro is a fantastic film it's 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 so
2: good and the thing was uh, that's a case of where I don't really see that as being like a bad thing I mean they again like with the Phil Hartman thing it was they they uh, you know he died uh, three quarters of the way through shooting or whatever but the, at the time they were able to take a body double and digitally composite him in different scenes and finish out the film. And the thing was, the film didn't feel hackneyed and like slapped together.
1: It still felt very complete. And that, they, but that's partially because when Brandon Lee got killed, he was almost completed. He had almost completed all of the Eric Draven footage. He got killed really close to the end of his shooting schedule. Yeah, they just had a couple of like action sequences and whatnot that they were and probably going to do yeah, with more stunt doubles anyway. I I have the work print of The Crow before all the digital compositing, and it's really obvious which scenes were not Brandon Lee, and there's only a few of them. I'm just surprised yeah. no
0: one's like, "Well, Paul Walker would have wanted us to finish the
2: movie."
1: Oh, you know that's coming. You, you, yeah, know, you know we're, know we're only two coming. days into this as of this recording. You know that's coming.
2: Yeah, that is true. You know, Paul, they'll find a writer in his uh, contract. You know, or Paul would want them to finish this. But honestly, seriously, uh, if I was making a movie. And and I died somewhere into it. Absolutely, finish the movie. You know why wouldn't I want it to be finished? It, it was I was doing something that I loved. Hopefully, <laughs> when you know it wasn't like a, a, a piece of crap movie. And yeah, I would want them to finish it. Why
1: not? You know,
0: if I died in a movie, I wouldn't care if they finished it or not because I would be dead.
1: Jowski's such a downer. I tell you,
2: bringing the whole room down.
1: Well, speaking of of movies that turn out to be pretty bad. I haven't seen it yet, but it's getting horrendous reviews and made no money this weekend, but Spike Lee's Old Boy came out. And, of course, it's surrounded by controversy. Now, I'm going to preface all this. I'm not a fan of Spike Lee to begin with. I think he is an arrogant douchebag who vastly overestimates his own talent in the field. At the same time, he had a chance to come out looking like a hero. Either you guys familiar with the old boy poster controversy?
0: Yep. I should probably look it up.
1: Then you just listen, you fruit. What happened was there was a graphic designer named Juan Luis Garcia, who was hired by an ad agency. Who had you know he had no contact with Spike Lee, but he was hired by an ad agency to make different old boy posters and he made all these different mock-ups and, and whatnot. And he basically was not paid for all of the work he did. They talked him into you'll get to work for Spike Lee and it'll be great exposure and whatnot. And he even says it was for relative peanuts, even though he worked hours, you know, forty plus hours on these mock ups. Which, let me point out, he owns the copyright to these specific compositions. That comes into play later. Now what happened was this ad agency When he said, now I'd like you to pay me, they basically fired him and used his mock-ups anyway in violation of his copyright. When he couldn't get anywhere from them, he went to Spike Lee, and he wrote an open letter on his website to Spike Lee saying that, I know you probably didn't have anything to do with this, as it's an ad agency separate from you, etc., 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 that I, I would like to get your help in trying to get this resolved. Now, at this point, Spike Lee could have come out the hero. He could have come out and said, yes, I'm going to fight for the little guy. Instead, I'm going to read his response. I never heard of this guy, Juan Luis Garcia. If he has a beef, it's not with me. I did not hire him. Do not know him. Cheap trick writing to me, yo. That was his response. What do you guys have to say about this before we get into the fallout from this?
0: Up until the last sentence, it's almost professional. Okay, I didn't have anything to do with this, you know, the not my... You know, not my problem. But then the cheap trick writing to me, bro. Okay, now. No, he just yo, off. yo. That that's uh, that. Now he just comes off like an asshole.
1: <laughs> and and also, as Brad Jones pointed out, Spike Lee's response, every single word is capitalized. Do you realize how annoying that is to try and read?
2: Well, it's like you know the old he's yelling
1: thing. So what do you guys think about this? That to to me, like I said. I think Spike Lee could have come out of this the hero because there was no direct evidence at this point that he had anything to do with this. But then it turns out, oh, the ad agency is actually a subsidiary of Spike Lee Incorporated. Then it turns out that the copyrighted images, the copyrighted posters that Garcia made are being given away as incentives for Spike Lee's new Kickstarter project. So even after he found out that that these were stolen works, he still, hey, not my freaking problem, man. That th- That's you. What do you guys think about that now that it's come out that Spike Lee, even if he didn't directly know about it, his company knew about it, and after the fact that he knew he was using basically stolen images, he still keeps them as incentives for the Kickstarter.
2: Well, first off, I just want to say how much it warms my heart that the remake failed on such a magnificent level it made two million, I mean, million dollars countrywide i mean that is abysmal i mean that just uh, there are movies that released in like 10 theaters that made more money than this did so it just goes like that the reviews are not really happy
1: and the reviews are not much kinder either no they're trashing it because for, I
2: have not seen it, but from what I gather, they took, like, when they were saying that they were doing this, it was another one of those, oh, we're going to follow the manga and we're going to do it differently. And as what always happens, like what happened with Total Recall, the remake, it's the same movie with a different coat of paint, and they Americanized it, and they took key points of the movie that were magnificent, amazing parts, and they softened them for the American audience because they were just a little bit too edgy. The
1: only thing I've heard that's better, people say the fight with the security guards in the hallway with the hammer is much more brutal and graphic in this than it was in the original. But the thing was, with the original, it's in one take. And that's part of what makes exactly. it so amazing. Yeah, you can tell this was choreographed.
2: Yeah, this was different angles, and just that right there, to me, takes the whole thing out. Now, eventually, will I see it? I, I'm curious, but I will not pay money to see this. I will not support this piece of crap, because the original movie is one of those movies that's just a perfect film. It did not need to be touched. And, okay, on to Spike Lee himself. I agree with you. He is a pompous asshole- who thinks that he's the greatest filmmaker ever, and the only movie of his that I ever saw that I liked was Summer of Sam. I thought that was a good movie.
1: Which I thought that was a complete and utter disaster. Uh, that could I have liked been a good Summer movie.
2: of Sam, too, by
0: Summer the way. Summer of Sam
1: had a beautiful trailer, great cast, great setting, great premise, thoroughly unlikable characters, every stereotype imaginable, a complete waste of its late 70s setting. I think *Summer of Sam* was such a missed opportunity, but we're not reviewing Spike Lee's movies. Talk about the Spike Lee controversy. About
2: mm-hmm. that. Well, I just kind of wanted to preface that with my feelings on him. I don't like him. I think he sucks. Again, with him on the whole controversy, he could have stepped up and said, "You know what? You got screwed by this ad agency." The the story had An gone ad viral. ad agency
1: which I technically own.
2: Yeah, exactly. An ad agency, which he technically owns. Because more than likely, no, he didn't know about this because he's got people working under him that take care of this. So somebody screwed up somewhere on purpose because they don't do this stuff. And, you know, they they do this because they want to screw people out of money because that's the only way that they save money here and there. And I mean, I know enough graphic arts designers that say that this is fairly common where they'll be like, oh, well, you know, the the exposure should be the payment. No, the payment should be the payment. He could have stepped up and said, you know what, this is going to look really bad, the movie's opening soon, I'm going to say, hey, make sure this guy gets paid. It would have done wonders for him, and consequently it would have gotten on the news a little bit more, it would have put him in a positive light, and hey, it may have consequently gotten people to go see the movie, as opposed to like, oh, he screwed over this guy, so I don't know whether or not that's why people didn't go see it or whatnot.
1: But But you also can't ignore the aspect that as of this recording, He is still using these images that he knows are now stolen as Kickstarter incentives. That, Mm -hmm. to me, says he doesn't even care. Oh, no,
2: of course he doesn't care. Well, that's the thing. He does not care because he knows he can get away with it. Because what's this guy going to do? Sue him?
1: Yeah, Uh, because, okay, here's the thing. Garcia, we might not know his name. He's not a nobody. He's also worked on the ad campaigns for tiny little movies like... Leonardo DiCaprio's The Great Gatsby, and he designed the iconic Django Unchained poster. This is not a nobody in the field of graphic design either.
2: Oh man, he just, he really screwed himself over with this one. Like, at this point, the best thing that he can do is just make sure that it gets paid, say that there was a misunderstanding, and let it go at that. Because this is only going to snowball. It's just going to get worse.
0: Well, I think... The best thing about this is that we're not going to see Spike Lee direct the American version of I Saw the Devil. I think Spike Lee totally screwed himself with that response, that he let his ego get the best of him, and his greed, too, because why is he doing a Kickstarter in the first place?
1: We talked about that already. Yeah, I know. Even even though the man himself is he lives in a $38 million home, he's worth over $60 million as personal worth. And remember, I don't have the quote in front of me anymore, but we read it on that old radio drum that basically studios don't want to give me money for my next project. Why should I use my money when I can use your money? That to me is just dickish. Let's keep in mind when this comes to the copyright thing, guys, this is the same egomaniacal shithead that remember when Spike TV launched, he sued Spike because he claimed they were trying to leech off his name by calling themselves spike tv remember that
2: what a horse's ass I i'm remember not making that, that up and i remember that because it was a whole big thing and it actually went pretty far i was like this can't yeah it possibly... went to court it went to court and it's like really like that that was like no one else has used the word spike
1: spike lee seems to be very detached from reality he not only with this but then, remember the problem he had with Clint Eastwood over Flags of Our Father, or no, uh, let, Letters from Iwo Jima? Remember that nonsense?
0: Letters from Iwo Jima was, a Japanese, was about Japanese people. What, what problem did Spike Lee have with that movie? Because his problem is normally there's not enough black people.
1: That was his problem. There were black people there <laughs> in real history that helped raise the flag, and Clint Eastwood didn't have oh. a single black actor in the movie... And I so you, therefore it was racist.
0: That's Flags of Our Fathers. You flags said Letters father, from Iwo, Iwo Jima, which is all about the Japanese army. It's all sorry. in Japanese.
1: Sorry, it's Flags like... of Our Fathers. And yeah, I absolutely loved Clint Eastwood's response to him. Shut your face. And so, of course, Spike called Clint Eastwood racist for that too. Because to Spike Lee, anyone's racist because they're not screaming black power down the street. But whatever, that, that's a different topic. But then we also have the incident you ran into this week, Cecil. Do you want to explain to us how reddit and I oh reddit to me is where rationality goes to die but fair enough explain to us what happened on Reddit with you this week I, I did a I
2: did a video last week um, where I was talking about how movie posters are just becoming generic. it's like they're they're becoming templates everything has its own formula. It's like, if you're an action movie, uh, you're going to be this color. Drama, you're going to be this color. If you're a romantic movie, this color. I will admit, people have talked about this before. It's not a unique original (laughs) subject. Yeah, like (laughs) me. Yes, you have talked about it before, which I actually found out after the fact. But so so right there. Other people have talked about this before. However...
1: I felt the need to talk
2: about it, and uh, I wanted to do something a little bit different aside from a regular episode. I thought you had a
1: nice, calm, cohesive, and researched argument that backed you, but that's just me, apparently.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and there's a lot of people that that agree with it. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, because I I, I posted on Blip, but then I also cross-posted to YouTube, and, I mean, I have, as of last time I checked, I had, like, 150 thumbs up, and I had like five thumbs down. So, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good ratio of people that agree versus people that think I suck.
1: But at the same time, last time I was there, when I checked it, you had like 6,000 views on it, which is pretty good. Yeah, you
2: know? And I mean, in the majority of the comments were positive. You're right. I didn't think about this before. But examples, very, you know, I looked at it very calmly, as I have a tendency to do. And I I wasn't screaming and throwing a fit over it. And I think I only had like one or two people on YouTube's comments. Uh, One person said something along the lines of, this is the worst video I've ever seen. So (laughs) apparently.
1: Yeah, but you got to remember, this is the YouTube comment system. So I'm surprised he didn't call you a faggot at some point.
2: Yeah, I know, you know, and and tell me he was going to come rape my mother for some reason. But the majority of them were like, this was very good. I was cool with that. Somebody, one of my fans, had posted it in the movie section on Reddit. And I realized this because I woke up in the morning and I had all of a sudden I had like 50 new subscribers. And I said, "Okay, one of my videos went somewhere. So I looked to see and found out that that's where it went. And then I went to go check. I'm like, oh, it got posted on Reddit. Well, let me see what the comments are. Oh, well, apparently I am a whiny douchebag who uh, stole this uh, complete thing, uh, stole the entire content from an article on Cracked. Let's see what
1: else I saw. um, The the one I liked, the one I personally liked was, I'm sick of these nostalgia junkies not being willing to accept the fact that we don't live back then.
2: Ah, yes. Oh, and that was the other thing, too. I don't understand marketing.
1: Yes, yes. You know what? That, that sprung this week's sanity. I used your thing as a springboard to this week's sanity about marketing. But that's the thing marketing is where originality goes to die. Well, the whole point of my video was that because
2: it's like, well, I don't understand marketing. Okay, well, what about, like I said, with the teal and orange posters? I understand that that's not new. But the problem is is that now it's being used so often that if you go to the movie theater and if you're walking up to the theater and you see all the posters they have lined up and there's all these movies in a row they and they're the all teal and orange, well, that right there tells you that marketing is not working because there's nothing that
1: stands out. To and, be fair, I kind of like the teal and orange look. I think the two colors contrast themselves nicely if they're done right.
0: That is why they use it, because the two colors do contrast each other so perfectly and attract the eye. That's why you like it. That's why they use it.
1: Mm -hmm. But I'm not disagreeing with you that it's massively overused, and it's used where it doesn't need to be. When used right, the teal and orange scheme can really work, I think.
2: Yeah, it pops. It really does draw your eye in. But like I said, everybody's using it, and so consequently, it doesn't. It doesn't look good anymore because it's like, oh, well, we have five movies in a row and they're all teal and orange and it just it, it's, it does nothing to draw your eye in. Now, if it's standing by itself, if it's on a billboard or something, then fine. You look at it and you're like, oh, wow, that looks really cool because it does catch your eye to it. It's just becoming so generic, much like everything else. They're, they're trying too hard to refine everything down to its specific category.
1: Well, to me, the, to me, what they're trying to do is create a checklist. This is how you market a movie. Boom. Check, 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 check. Nobody ever wants to deviate from it because when you deviate from it, then you risk losing. So originality is not encouraged because we know what works. Why should we stop doing what works?
2: Yeah, until something comes along that completely blows out of the water. Which I mean, is usually is... an
1: indie feature in the Which... movie industry exactly it's usually an indie feature it's a, like, usually an indie feature that did not go through a marketing company
2: yeah or if they did go through a marketing company it's kind of like how with the whole paranormal activity thing where they wanted to remake it but then they decided not to and they just altered the ending but still it went off and it made crap tons of money and uh like alex had brought up with pulp fiction it was that movie we're kind of, you know, getting generic in the 90s, and then Pulp Fiction comes along, and holy crap! You know, uh, I know I can't remember if you're—I know you don't like Tarantino, I don't but like I don't. Pulp Fiction. You don't like Pulp Fiction, but you can't deny that it was a revolutionary film.
1: No, it—it I, 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 it I
2: changed. I can't deny that. It changed the way that films were made for a while.
1: Have you ever watched a documentary on the on the 12 Monkeys DVD or Laserdisc, The Hamster Factor? No, I didn't. All right, in that, one of the things that Terry Gilliam had written into his contract was he had final say on the marketing. He, he got final say on the cut of the trailer for 12 Monkeys on what the posters looked like. There's a part in the documentary where the ad agency is showing him all the mock-ups of all the different posters. They keep trying to push the giant floating heads over the title poster that you pointed out, Cecil. That's the poster they wanted to go with for 12 Monkeys. And Gilliam was just like, no, this is hideous. And then w- whenever th- they, they're like, well, we've got this one. And they would hand him this really great looking poster. They're like, but w- we don't think this one will work. And Gilliam was just getting frustrated as hell because even though he had final say, they kept kind of, we really want this one with Brad Pitt's face on it. We really think this should be the poster. And this was the 90s before the checklist had come out. It was the beginnings
2: of the checklist.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, watch that documentary and just see how fed up Terry Gilliam gets with these posters. Look, they look the same. They look generic. And then you get, you know, he had to fight for the rather eye-catching 12 Monkeys poster we got.
2: As one of my my fans had pointed out to me, a poster I completely forgot was the, uh, the Benjamin Button ones, where it was Brad Pitt's face. And or or Brad Pitt's head, and then um, Kate Blanchett's head. And the thing that gets me is like there are certain ones where they'll have like a tagline or something. With that, it's a close up of their heads and it just says uh, the whatever of Benjamin the whatever case of Benjamin Button. That tells me absolutely nothing about the movie. The only thing it tells me is that Brad Pitt is in this movie and it doesn't matter what the movie's about except for the fact that he's in it and you should go see it. And to me, that is just the height of just egotism where it's like, you're going to go see the movie regardless of what the subject matter is. We want you just to know specifically who is in it. It doesn't matter what it's about. On the
1: opposite side of that, you've got seven, a movie like seven, Kevin Spacey had to fight the marketing department to keep his name out of the advertising. They wanted to highlight Kevin Spacey because he was a really big indie star at that time. And he kept trying to explain to them, God damn it, I'm the plot twist. If you know I'm in this movie, you're going to be looking for me.
2: Well, he's one of those actors that he gets it. He understands. All right, you know, yeah, I don't put me in the... That's like when you're watching a TV show and they start, you know, they're listing the cast... And all of a sudden, special guest star, somebody. And then you're like, oh, "Oh,
1: you're waiting for them to show up. Yeah, David E. Kelly was great about not doing that. Because John Luriquette was a regular on the practice as a just a sociopathic gay serial killer. When Lindsay got stabbed and they were trying to figure out who killed her or who stabbed her. All of a sudden, when John Luriquette pops up at the end of the episode, they kept his name out of the credits. So that would be an actual plot twist that he was in it again.
2: Yeah, marketing they don't understand movies. They don't understand that. They understand product. They're trying to sell product. They're not trying to sell art. They don't care that they're going to ruin it. They don't care if the trailer shows too much of the movie. They just want to show all the money shots. They want to show who's in the movie and they want to get asses in the seats. And it's ruining movies. And I don't think that that's a nostalgic thing at all. I don't think that that's something you know that is a bad thing i'm pointing out that this is wrong and they need to do something about it and then i get called a whiny douchebag
1: and it gets even worse when you bring iconic movie posters or iconic movies that come to dvd do you ever see the uncommon valor movie poster that that beautiful painted shot of the soldier running through a rice field while being shot at carrying the other wounded soldier over his shoulder they still have that on the cover down in the corner, and they change who both actors are. So uh, Charlie Sheen is one of the soldiers now. He's the one carrying the guy, even though he wasn't on the original poster, nor does he do it in the movie. Along with a giant head of Gene Hackman. Well, how about the
2: RoboCop one? The original poster is amazing. RoboCop it's that Stepping profile RoboCop. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, part man, part machine, you know, cop. And then the new one, floating RoboCop head.
1: That. The the, the one that that gets me is when they do it for TV series sometimes, like 21 Jump Street. Okay, 21 Jump Street lasted five seasons. Johnny Depp was in seasons one through four, but he left season four three-quarters of the way through. So he wasn't in the last five or six episodes of season four, okay? Anchor Bay knew there was no way anyone was going to buy season five without Johnny Depp on the cover, right? So they held Johnny Depp's final episode – from the middle of season four, off the season four set, put that one Johnny Depp episode on the season five set, and plaster Johnny Depp's face on the season five cover.
2: So ridiculous.
1: That, to me, is blatant false advertising, isn't it? Not just ridiculous, but you're lying at that point.
2: Yeah, it's just a way to, to screw people out of money, and uh, I, there's no, well, we both know, there there's no honesty in, in this anymore. It's all about getting people to purchase the product regardless of whether or not you're telling them the truth.
0: People on Reddit are way too picky. Not picky. They're just anal. It's like you oh you 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 said something bad about something I liked, so you're evil. Manipulating the DVD covers I find hilarious. I think it's so shameless that I laugh every time I see a horribly manipulated DVD cover.
1: And see to me I I, again I don't get marketing look at a gorgeous Bill Sienkiewicz inspired poster for something like Cherry 2000 just this gorgeous eye-catching poster with popping colors beautifully painted you get an idea of what the film is about DVD cover is a photo is a Photoshop image of Melanie Griffith in front of a um, a wasteland what first of all Melanie Griffith isn't even the star of that movie Yeah, her character's a main character, but she's only in about half hour of the film. That's a David Andrews, Tim Thomerson film. So to me, the Cherry 2000 cover is so not only ugly, but so misrepresentative of what that movie is.
2: Absolutely agree. I mean, I I think I've talked about it before. There was that movie uh, called The Turning with uh, Gillian Anderson uh, in it, and it was a movie that sat on a shelf for a long time and she was in it she had a very small part she was unknown when uh the x-files became big they released it they put her front and center on the copy of the uh well vhs at the time then she basically shows up gets naked and gets killed and like it was it was just she's not even you know the the focal point of the movie she was just kind of a throwaway character and yet they used her to sell that movie
1: to me the worst one was Trick or Treat, the 1986 heavy metal movie. The DVD is one of the ugliest, most misrepresented things I've ever seen. Okay, they've got Mark Price on on the cover, looking like he does in the movie. Fine, fair enough. And they also have starring Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons with modern photographs of both of them on the cover. Gene Simmons has a big beard and a cowboy hat in it and is mostly only in audio. Wake up, sleepyheads.
2: It's party time! Yeah, this is the old Noosa coming at you right here
1: on this fine, fine rock till the morning.
2: It's the sweeping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and I'm going to do it to you right here, right now. Wow!
1: And Ozzy Osbourne plays a clean-cut TV preacher in the movie. And we're back with evangelist and moral crusader the Reverend Aaron Gilstrom, who's dropped by with some visual aids. We're talking today about rock pornography and i'll have to agree with you we have some pretty rye ball stuff here those those rockers really have a strange sense of humor don't they
2: i don't even think it's a
0: sense of humor i think they're just out and out sick people i mean and they're trying to make everyone else around them who, who, who listens to their music as sick as they are
1: uh reverend let me ask you a question this album uh, do it like a dog. Now this uh, this has to be about animal behavior, is that right? Let
0: Material me give you a, a, an example. I okay. have one of the lyrics. You will uh,
2: All right.
1: tell me what you who honestly think is. Go right about. ahead.
2: Gonna drive my long steel missile down on your love channel. Deep, deep, you'll beg for more. Raising hell and serpent score. Feel me, feel me. Now what does that mean to you? To me, it means nothing but a sexual act. Demonic beast. What happened to the good old, simple love song? I love you. That's, that's a good word to use. Nowadays, they have to write some sickness. It's just absolutely sick and bizarre, and I'm gonna do my utmost best to try and stop it now.
1: If anything you'd like to say at conclusion?
0: These evil people have just got to be stopped.
1: Could you have misrepresented this movie more? Just,
2: you know, it's like, hey, why don't you maybe showcase your star? I mean, well, the original poster was great with with Sammy Kerr over the flaming pentagram and with
1: the playing the guitar. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's awesome.
1: And then the back of the box, it, it clearly shows that they just had a bunch of stills and they didn't even know what they were. the The DVD has no extras on it at all, not even a trailer. Yet the one photo on the back of the box is a photo of a special effects guy setting up a demon. <laughs> <laughs> Making it look like it's go, you know, it's clearly a behind-the-scenes photo, and it's not even like it's a still from the movie. I'm just looking at this like you had no clue what you were doing, did you? Okay, I realize mistakes happen, but how do you screw up going through so many people's hands? Do you have the DVD for the series Late Line? Al Franken and Son and Nathan?
0: I've never even heard of it.
1: It, it was a sitcom about like a Dateline type TV show. It was actually quite witty and Late Line. The back of the box has wrong character bios. It's got Sana Nathan's character under someone else's picture, and they have them swapped. And I'm just thinking, how many different people's hands did this have to go through before it went on the shelf? And I immediately noticed that's not the character that she plays.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I well, a lot of these, uh, it, it's just they don't they don't have anybody checking up on things it's just it'll go to somebody and they'll slap it together and they'll throw it out i mean unless it's a really really large production where even still things just fall through the cracks so but something like that it probably was given to an intern who just kind of slapped uh the back of the box together and probably took quotes from uh imdb or wikipedia and uh threw it up there and ended up getting put out and get printed
1: well and then you've also got one's such as where you just kind of go, you had no clue what you bought, did you? Like the TV show Airwolf. By season five, the show had lost every original actor. Jan Michael Vincent, Ernest Borg9. The, the season one box cover is a picture of the season five cast.
0: I, I never watched an episode of Airwolf. I played the the arcade cabinet. I didn't even know it was based off the TV show.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's
2: either that or they figure that uh, it had been long enough that people forgot maybe that uh, the entire cast left and they'd be like, oh, they, they'd see something easily recognizable. But, but, but you don't it.
1: think that Jan Michael Vincent or Ernest Borgnine, who are actually the stars of season one, might be better choices for the cover?
2: Yeah, but but, you know, what, what do they know? It's 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 silly.
1: You know, it even comes down to. I've got uh, the Columbia House VHS set for Hill Street Blues. Now, obviously, Dennis Franz is the most recognizable to the public actor off of Hill Street Blues. Dennis Franz didn't join the cast till season six. Yeah, he had a three-episode arc in season three. He didn't join the cast till season six. He's on the cover of every single one of the Columbia House VHS tapes, starting with the, with the pilot, you know, four seasons before he joins the show. All you guys knew is that Dennis Franz was in this show at some point, didn't you? More than likely. They probably just uh, remembered it from,
2: oh, I used to watch the show, it had Dennis Franz in it, and then they bought it, and yeah, then they and were the like, Yeah, the last oh. two
1: seasons. I can't blame them for what, they're, what they do with, like, with like, even like the St. Elsewhere season one set. Yeah, Howie Mandel and Denzel Washington are both main characters as part of an ensemble cast. They're about the only two that are spotlighted on the St. Elsewhere cover, making it look like... This is a Denzel Washington, Howie Mandel show that also might have David Morse and some other people in it, too.
2: Some other people who you may have heard of, but they're not important. The main thing is we have these guys, even though they're not really what the show's about.
1: And they were not famous when they made the show.
2: Exactly. Which is why they weren't, you know, their parts weren't bigger.
1: I I always like when they highlight cameos going back to 21 Jump Street. Brad Pitt was on a 21 Jump Street episode. By the way, he was awful in it. Brad Pitt was awful in this 21 Jump Street, which is also one of the most blatantly after-school special preachiest episodes I've ever seen of the show. And with 21 Jump Street, that's really saying something. I think that was a season two episode. The season two set, of course, the back cover is Brad Pitt and Pauly Shore and anyone else who is now relatively famous. All of them have really, really tiny roles. Yet it makes it look like, you know, they highlight, and Brad Pitt's in this episode yeah, for like five minutes. I think that's just deceptive to the audience. But then again, if you're dumb enough to fall for it, then don't you get what you deserve?
2: Well, I mean, it, it does. This is a case of where I don't like it, but this is the way that marketing works. It's fooling people into buying your product as opposed to showing them what it is and getting them to buy it, letting it stand on its own two feet. But there is a lot of garbage out there that wouldn't sell unless they kind of spun this angle on it so it this is a case of where i don't agree with it but i do
1: understand it you've been awful quiet this episode jowski what do you come on interject something
0: um i thought cecil didn't know anything about marketing that's what they say on reddit
1: <laughs> yeah yeah oh, well, do right I know, on reddit I don't... he don't, he knows nothing about marketing
0: when they market stuff like to highlight a cameo, I get a kick out of it because they are so off base that I find it hilarious. I will pick, a, I will buy it simply because I'm like, this is so wrong. I need this piece of, you know, cheese.
1: To be fair, though, look at something like like Birdemic. Now we're not going to talk about the movie, but they actually put cameo appearance by Tippi Hedren when her cameo appearance is them watching tippy hedron in hitchcock's the birds on tv isn't that blatant lying wouldn't that be saying hey at some point we're gonna watch our characters in the movie are gonna watch cruising so that means al pacino has a cameo in our movie
2: oh wow i know how to get al pacino in my movie now why just have a character
1: watch cruising because it was on tv the other night so it's in my head
2: I mean, well, they had a Godfather marathon
0: all Thanksgiving. You could have gone with that. Why Cruising, Josh?
1: Because it was so, on HBO. Shut up. So so I mean,
0: Cruising was on your mind, huh?
1: Cruising was on my mind. You heard me. But, I mean, so you don't think that, like, what Birdemic is? I mean, seriously, Tippi Hedren should have sued. She should have sued over that, going, I'm not in this f***ing film.
2: Well, I mean, did they? I don't know. Did
1: She's they, actually listed they had on to have the bought cast the rights. list. She's actually listed on the cast list, and her only footage is them watching the birds. I thought
0: she didn't sue because she was dead, but apparently she's actually still alive.
1: I know that.
2: Maybe it's just at a point of where, because she's got to be, what, late 80s, early 90s? She's got to be close to dead, yeah, I get that. She is 83. She probably just
1: does not care.
0: So, I mean, she was yeah. in Birds 2, so, I mean, she obviously doesn't care.
1: Birds 2, land's end. You can find all of us at geekjuicemedia.com. You can find Alex's videos there. You can find Cecil's stuff as there as well as goodbadflix.com. You can also go to 1201beyond.com. You can go there and buy a T-shirt, damn it. We have T-shirts now, so go to 1201beyond.com and buy a T-shirt, and you can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Have a good night, guys. And we don't know shit about marketing. Amen. Okay.